Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, everybody. As always, we'd like to give you a warm, warm welcome to today's show. I'm your host, of course, Faith, and you are hanging out with us live on Her Story 2. Today, we have yet another special guest. Today's special guest is Angela Peabody. That's who we have today, so y'all are in for another treat. Yes, you know, we bring the most amazing women, and they share the most incredible knowledge and information, so... You know, grab your pen, your paper, your pads, whatever floats your boat. If you're still old school, do that. If you're not, get your iPads and all your your techie stuff. Um, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, the chat room, I will get that open as soon as I can. Yeah, it's not been, the chat has not been behaving the last couple of shows, but I'm going to try to get that open today. I hope it will work out. Okay, so bear with me, but feel free to call in. And you can just listen on the call lines if you don't want to speak. Um, for those of you on the call lines, uh, remember to push one on your keypad. And that is my cue that you'd like to jump in and say something. Okay? If it's your very first time to Blog Talk Radio and Her Story 2, we're definitely looking to take, uh, forward to taking your calls. And the calling number is 515-602-9735. That is the number to call. But remember, because we have a lot of listeners who are outside of the U.S., but you need to dial the U.S. country code, okay? Then dial 515-602-9735 to listen in. You all also have the option to, um, to use the Skype to call um, option, okay? So go ahead and use the Skype as well. And I can also follow the chat on my Skype. You'll know how to do all that good stuff. So go ahead and do that. Today we have executive producer and founder of Global Women Peace Foundation. Okay, this is a foundation that is founded on the principles of eliminating violence and injustices against women and girls. I have dropped the website. It's also in the description. So go ahead and, you know, visit their page and show them some love. But today we're going to be talking. Um, we're going to be talking about female genital mutilation. Okay, and I'm going to see if this is Angela. I think this is her, but I'm just going to confirm. Um, hello, Angela. Are you here? Yes, I'm here. Hi, yes, Angela. I'm here. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, I can hear it's you. It's a well- pleasure. Welcome. Welcome. Same here. We are honored to have you. You are. You have the most incredible profile. Um, I'll just share a little bit more with our listeners. Angela immigrated to the U.S., the United States, following the bloody and brutal coup d'état 
in her native Liberia. She developed a passion as an advocate for women and girls against injustices and violence after her sister was beaten to death by her husband. Angela, I'm so sorry about that. And Thank you. the first Liberian woman to ever pen and publish a full-length novel, Angela is now an accomplished and award-winning author. Okay? And there's much more to her story, and you can find you know, everything on the website, also on her social media platforms, you know, to just follow her work and see what this amazing organization is doing. Welcome, Angela. Um, I think I have Shaz as well here. Shaz, are you here with us? I think this is Shaz. Hey, Shaz. Hey, Faith. Hello, Angela. Welcome to our show. Thank you. (laughs) It's an honor to have you on our show. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's our pleasure. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking, Angela, should we just start from the basics? Because um, we've had a few shows, you know, we talked about FGM, but I still realized that a lot of people, we always have new people listening, and they don't know what we might know. So I'm just thinking that we can start right from the start, and maybe you can start by telling us what is FGM? Well, FGM is female genital mutilation is the intentional removal of either all or part of the external female genitalia. And it is for non it's done for non medical reasons. Um the it doesn't have to be done in other words. So that's what FGM is. Yeah. And when did you first hear about FGM and what was your reaction? Well, the first time I was born in Liberia, as you mentioned, and I grew up there. I spent um, most of my childhood, all of my childhood, and part of my adult, um, young adult life there. And growing up, I, I, I knew I was exposed to something called female circumcision but as a child it doesn't phase you at all it it wasn't affecting me directly neither any of my sisters or female relatives so it didn't really phase me i just thought it was something that was done um as they called it in the bush and and which it is done in the bush um but I find as as I grew up, then I realized that um, it was done to little girls. It was something that was done to little girls as a society, um, a secret society um, practice. And I used to see girls come out of the bush and they were covered in chalk, in white chalk, all over their bodies, including their faces. Um, I remember they they wore only something equivalent to a bikini, and the rest of their bodies were exposed, and they had beads all around their breasts and around their waist. And that, as a child, that's what I remember um, these girls. But I never associated those girls coming out wearing those things as part of the female circumcision. It wasn't until I just thought they were dancers, you know, um, tribal dancers. 
until later mm. on in life when I read an article about Wara's diary, um, the high fashion oh, yeah. model in I Europe. Yes, yeah. yeah, from Somalia, yeah, and she she was Incredible. talking about mm. she was talking about about FGM, female genital mutilation, and that it happened to her, and the details of it piqued my interest because then it's I started to connect the dots from my childhood and now I'm an adult and here I am reading about this thing and I started to connect those girls coming out of the bush um, with what I had just read that Waris talked about and and I said that that have been it it had to be it they were going through FGM um, what they called female circumcision at the time so that was yeah. my exposure and, and to it. Is, yeah, and that word female circumcision is still used in some parts today. And it's, um, it's used kind of like a rite of passage, they say it is. But, you know, yes. well, I always ask, you know, can you do it differently? Does it have to be this, you know, horrible, you know, yeah. But anyway, um, so that was your introduction to um, FGM. And I just find it so interesting. I've, you know, how far you have taken your movement because you have, um, you just correct me if I'm wrong, but you have served in a special committee with the Council of the Great City Schools to research and compile and write an educational toolkit on FGM. Is this a yes. toolkit that is used globally or is it used mostly in the U.S. where you're based or in Liberia where you're from, originally from? Well, the toolkit was written specifically for the to service the the United States to service to be used by school teachers, school nurses, school co- guidance counselors um, in the United States. Um, that's what the toolkit was designed for. But it can be used by people by those people in other countries. Uh, school personnel in other countries um and, and in fact one of our um partner organizations we are looking into the um how we can write um something similar a toolkit similar for Africa that will service countries in Africa yeah, because, you know, I find it so interesting now that we're talking about FGM in the U.S. We had a guest, Sam, who was on our show um, a couple of weeks ago. And most of our listeners, including myself, we did not know the extent as to which um, FGM takes place in the U.S. Because a lot of the data is focused around Asia or India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and African countries. That's a lot of the data and research, you know, when you look at the U.N. data. But it's just interesting that there's so much already been done in the U.S. and not enough light is been, you know, is shining on the issues that are there that are happening in the U.S. And so you have this walk to end FGM in the U.S. Um, tell us a little bit about this work, you know, how it was birthed and and why you decided to have a walk. Well, um, before I before I move forward with the walk, I just want to mention that the since you asked me about the toolkit, the toolkit is available. It's downloadable on our website, um, so anybody can go to the website and download it. 
um, the the walk to NFGM, um, I came up with the idea because I used to, years ago, I used to walk for breast cancer. Um, I spent several years walk, being a walker for um, breast cancer, the, the Susan G. Komen um, Foundation, and I helped to raise money um, for them. And so when I had my own organization, I mentioned, I proposed to my board of directors that we should do a walk for FGM because I had not heard of anybody doing it, especially not in the U.S. And they looked at me um, glaringly, are you, are you kidding? We've never put on any such thing. <laughs> and so, FGM but, has, it does that to people. This is a topic that does something to people. They want to run away from it. They feel like it's too icky. It's like out of context. It always gets this kind of glance. You know, so I can just visualize that conversation. And you want to have a walk in Washington, D.C. Kicking <laughs> FGM, yes. That's brilliant. So <laughs> I, I, I really I pleaded my case. I pleaded my case <laughs> with them and finally convinced them. And they said, okay, we will do it the first year. And if, if you, we can gather more than 50 people at the first one, then we will continue to do it um, in, in the following year. So <laughs> I said, it's a deal. And I sprang into action and I went to work. And, and the, the, we, we had the first walk to NFGM in 2014. Um, on a very, very cold November morning in Washington, D.C. Um, and I, we cold. were just, really? yeah, we were just there praying that people, 25 people would show up. And to our surprise, 250 people showed up that morning on a brisk wow. morning. That is a huge <laughs> achievement. You all don't yeah. know how these are some of those topics that people want to run and hide. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be associated with it. They, they kind of shy away from this topic. I, I don't know why it's so problematic because it's, it's something that you should be talking about if you want to do something about it. I think it was brilliant. This work, I can just picture Washington, D.C., the Capitol. Did you pass the White House? <laughs> Oh no, no, we didn't pass the White House, but we passed the all the different memorials, the the Jefferson Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, and all the world um, World War memorials. It it was a fun day. By the time we we came back to the site from the walk, we were, everybody was warmed up and fired up and everybody was so excited and in such positive mood. Um, we had people come from Michigan and um, California and New Jersey, New York. It was just amazing. Um, so that gave us in, enough courage to continue. And in 2015, again, we had a lot of people show up and we just continued. In 2016, we we had even more people come from England and um, and Brussels and Geneva. It was it, it was so it just started to grow. Wow. It, it, it took on a life of its own. And um, last year we had 
the biggest international crowd um, since we started. We had people from France, Germany, England, um, it, it, from all over. It was just wonderful, and and um, and and we had more people coming from different parts of the United States. So we are hoping for an even bigger crowd this year. Um, and we've had we've been blessed with really great weather um, since that first year where it was so cold. Um, we've had very good weather since then, and um, so it's just wonderful. This year is scheduled to be on October 27th, so we hope that we'll have good weather on that day. Okay, and it's going to be in Washington D.C. as well. No, you said New York. Where you have it? Yes, it's. it's it's going to be it's always been in Washington DC and interestingly okay. enough um people have been contacting us and wanting to host it in um in other places uh what we would like to do is is host the walk to NFGM simultaneously in different cities. Um, that is our goal eventually, but we wanted to host it here in Washington, D.C. at least for um, the first five years. So this year is our fifth year. It's a big one for us. We will be celebrating, and then starting in 2019, we will open it up to other cities, if if an organization in a different city wants to host it, we will be happy to 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 host, co-host it with them. I think that is just brilliant. I we are looking forward to hearing about it. I hope you'll come back and tell us all about it, all the good stuff that happened. I would love um, to. So I think it definitely will, will be awesome. In, I just in, think in it's so amazing. <laughs> Yeah, what did you say, Shaz? Oh, Shaz, you're going to Washington? <laughs> yeah, I said, but you never know. Maybe we will pop up and, you know, support you. We would love that. We would welcome it. <laughs> I, I, Of course, I will keep you posted on the plans and the preparations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that it's, is so cool. it's a huge thing. <laughs> It's it's amazing. I mean, yeah. do you have like people from other countries that are coming? I mean, is it only within the U.S. that people is there to participate, or do you also have like other people like around the world from Europe, from Asia, from Middle East that you know um, that participate? You know, I mean, oh yes, travels all we the have, way to the states and mm-hmm. yes, we have people. Um, we have people that come from, like I said, from London, from Brussels, from Paris. Um, Geneva, um, people, last year we had um, somebody from Somaliland, which is a long way, took her so long to get here, and it was just wonderful. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Angela, I think, you know, today we have an opportunity to learn a little bit more about FGM in the U.S., because that is not, with most of the information we get, is not usually about FGM in the U.S. So you're one of the people who are actually helping us understand the situation in the U.S. Tell us a little bit more about the type of FGM that takes place in the U.S. and also, if you know, whether it's illegal. Is, is FGM legal, illegal in, in all the states in the U.S.? Because we learned that some states it's legal, some states it's not, you know, it's not legalized yet. There's 
some things that are work in process. Yes, I'm so glad you asked that question because um, it's one of the things that um, that my organization works on, um, the, the legalities in the different states or the illegalities in the different states. Um, just I, I will jump around from state to state, but last year, um, for the first time in U.S. history, um, an FBI arrest was made um in Michigan in the state of Michigan and at the time of the arrest this was last year April at the time of the arrest um Michigan did not have a law against FGM it was one of those states without a law that prompted the governor of that state to pass a law immediately so um as of April 1st this year um last year um the state of Michigan became the 26th state in the US with FGM laws so um and and even the state in which I reside and in which my organization operates from is is Virginia the commonwealth of Virginia and we did not have a law for a very long time we our law went into effect on um July 1st 2017 and it was a great day for me I I celebrated I actually toasted um with a glass of wine um to that <laughs> to to the state of Virginia okay. yes um so Virginia became the 25th state and um last year so we had two states that um that passed laws last year in 2017 Virginia and Michigan um, currently we still have um about 24 more states that that do not have laws um against FGM um I recently um last year I went to I had the opportunity to do a presentation in Alabama and they do not have a law against FGM. And I pointed out to them and showed them the map and said, you see, Alabama doesn't have um, a law against FGM. And so that prompted 25 students that were in the audience when I did the presentation, they went to their professor and said, we want law in Alabama against FGM. And so they are working toward um, writing letters to their state Congress to to put forth a bill um, to be passed against um, FGM in, in the state of Alabama. But there are just too many states that still don't have laws the good thing is there's a federal law, and that's why the um, FBI was able to make the arrest last year, April, in Michigan, because the federal law goes into effect regardless. Whether or not the state has a, a state law against FGM, the, the federal law will override that and will override the state law and, and FBI can go in and make an arrest um, based on the federal law. And the federal yeah. law in the I U.S. Mean, has been, it has been in effect well, since 1996. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, is it very complex? Is the process very complex to make this into a law? 
Um, what is the process? Like, how did Virginia manage to make it a law so fast? What was the process? Well, it, Do you know? Yes, the process is um, because my organization was partly involved with um, the senator. It took one senator, one state senator of, in Virginia, um, Senator Richard Black. Um, I applaud him. He he heard about FGM. He watched the film. He became really moved. He has seven granddaughters of his own, and he was he, he his heart went out to the little girl. So he decided to um, put forth a bill. He wrote. He actually wrote the bill himself, authored it, and put it forth to his on the Senate floor um, to his 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 to his counterparts and um, and introduced um, FGM to them. Um, once they found out, once the entire General Assembly of Virginia discovered what FGM was and that Virginia was one of the states that had the highest numbers in the U.S. of um, of women, either girls, either at risk or women who had undergone FGM, they decided to move forward and they with the bill, and they the bill was passed unanimously without any objections, and then the governor signed it. So once it's once the bill is signed, and once the bill is passed by Congress. Then it, it it moves on to the governor of the state governor, um, and in this case, in the, the in Virginia, in the state of Virginia, the governor was already familiar with FGM. When I found out that the bill was on his desk, I knew that it was a no-brainer that he would sign it without hesitation because. That governor, um, the first year that we had the walk to NFGM, he endorsed the walk. He he wrote a letter to to my organization congratulating us. So I knew that Governor McAuliffe um, knew about FGM and it wouldn't be a problem. And sure enough, he signed it into law, and um, it went to in, into effect on July first. Incredible. Wow. Any organization yeah. working with FGM in the U.S., I think you definitely need to get in touch with Angela Peabody, okay? Um, <laughs> really, you. you do, because I'm just, I mean, if y'all are not listening, you need to perk up your ears. I'm just giving you a hint. You can, you know, zoom back and listen to this part again and again. She's given you a few pointers and tips if you want to go the walk alone. But like I always say, and everybody out there who knows really how things work, we're stronger together. And I would just recommend just get in touch with somebody who's walked that walk and can kind of, you know, help you achieve this together. Um, so get in touch, really get in touch. Drop her a message if you're in another state. Because I think there were about 24 states who have, you said, something about 24 who, yes, who haven't yes. reached where Virginia has reached. So somebody is in those states and needs some help. So y'all, come on, get mm -hmm. in touch. Um, as you were talking, um, Angela, I was just thinking, what are some of the most, um, what do you find to be the most challenging part of working to fight or rather to end FGM? <clears throat> the most challenging part is, believe it or not, getting one of the most challenging parts is getting 
the women who have experienced FGM to come forward. Now, I don't think that there's a problem. Is that problem exists in Europe? I, I for for some reason, I'm thinking that the women that live in Europe are more outgoing and they they are more open to talking about their experiences. But the women that live in the U.S. that have experienced FGM. Only a few of them are willing to come forward and and tell their story or just to admit that it was done to them. That has been one of the most challenging parts of this work that we do. Um, now it's getting a little better. I'm, I'm finding that I get more phone calls that say, um, and, and they talk so softly because they're too afraid um, keep in mind when when this thing is done to the girls, to little girls, they tell them, they instill in them, if you tell anybody what happened to you here, you will die. So they swear them to secrecy. And there are women who keep that secret all the way to their deaths. They never talk about it. So we want the one of the things to do is to break that silence, um, to break the silence of the women, and that has been a big challenge for us. But we are seeing progress with that only because we are getting more phone calls. Um, and I will talk a little bit about what the the the, um, the services that we provide um, when they hear about what we provide then more of them are coming forward and saying, it happened to me, can you help me? Um, mm-hmm. Every woman every woman tends to have her own need. She might decide, mm-hmm. I want to have the corrective surgery, or I just need counseling, or um, I, I just need somebody to talk to just for a little bit. You know, so we have to... Always, when we get these phone calls or these inquiries, we have to um, decide, talk to them, and 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 find out what their what their needs are and what they really need. We want them to t- to tell us what they really need, and then we can go from there. But I'm seeing progress now um, from the challenges, and the other challenge is. Nobody wants to talk about it like we talked about early in, in the interview, at the beginning of the interview, that people, it's it's a hush-hush topic. So the media in the U.S., I don't know what media is like in um, in other countries, but the U.S. media is not talking about it. They don't, they shy away from it. I have written so many letters um, to different members of the media and ask them, would you please just do an interview? You don't have to talk to me. You pick who you want to talk to. But we have survivors, FGM survivors, who can tell you their stories, who are willing. Please bring it out to light because I know in the U.S., um, the most of the population depend on what they see on television and what they hear on the radio. And if we have more media coverage on FGM in the U.S., I think it's going to help a lot. Um, the, the whole it's ignorance mainly. Um, the other thing is uh, even law enforcement 
here in the U.S. is not oh, yeah. well educated on FGM. They don't know enough about it, yeah. or they don't know about mm-hmm. it at all. Yeah. So this, those those this are the is challenges. So important, and those challenges. I'm just thinking, as you were talking, I was just thinking of the parallels also with the challenges of women trafficking. It's almost the same challenges talking about it and also when you mention that you tell them what you can do for them and what you ask, you ask them what are their needs. If you're listening out there and you work in this field, you have no clue how important that is. Because I had women who asked me, okay, Faith, if I tell my story, then what? Who's going to take care of my child? Who's going to take care of my mother who has diabetes? Yeah. They have all these real-life questions that is flowing their judgment or making them kind of hold back because they say it's bad when this man traffics me. But again, at least I, have my, I can buy my mother's medicine and my daughter can go to school. But if I leave and I exit, then what? And then you mentioned the, the, the police force, and it's the same thing. They need training on how to identify survivors some like to use the word victims. I like survivors more. But maybe you can take us through um, what, you know, we may, use, we may call the three Ps, like prevention, protection, and persecution. And some of the best practices, things that we can take away when, you know, during each stage of the process of helping a survivor of FGM, you know, be it at the prevention stage where she hasn't undergone it, or the protection stage, you know, where maybe she's exiting or in between, and then, you know, the persecution. And we already talked about the persecution, you know, in detail with the legalities and that bit. But maybe you can take us through those those three Ps. Well, I will start first with with prevention because that's one of the one of the things that um, my organization really looks at, and we we give that priority. But that talking about challenges, I didn't list that. That one of the challenges we have is on the prevention side because we promote education. If education of law enforcement, education of the parents, <clears throat> education um, of the children, of teachers and school nurses, if they don't know about, if they don't know how to detect what is going on or, or um, know how to to detect suspicions um, about FGM, um, they will not know how to work with it or deal with it. So um, working with um, the, the council of the great city schools, for example, they control 70 um, school districts in throughout the United States. So it was it was really a pleasure and an honor to work with them on that toolkit and to get it out into, at least it's now in their school districts, in 70 of the school districts in the United States. But as far as the public schools, which we call them here, run the schools that are run by state governments or city governments, we have not been able to penetrate those schools. We have written to the U.S. Department of Education. We have gone and spoken to uh, the State Educate Board of Education, um, and we have not received any favorable response or, or welcome to come 
we would be willing to 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 train to come and and do presentation to the teachers and to the school nurses and the school counselors but we have um been at a roadblock when it comes to that and that will be the main one of the main arteries toward um preventing this thing from happening in the United States um and, and people are just in denial they were until the FBI um, arrest last year in Michigan, then people woke up and said, wow, it's really happening here on U.S. soil. Of course, why do you I'm think- telling you, Angela, we've been also aware of this FGM across the world, but it seems like maybe it's just me, but in the U.S. is a little bit of a blackout. You know, we don't know as much about what is happening in the U.S. like we know about in the U.K., other parts of Europe, parts of Africa, parts of Asia, you know, South America. In the U.S., it's like we don't know, you know, not, yes. we don't hear much about it. I, I've been mm-hmm. doing this work since um, 2005, and one of my <coughs> sisters called me <laughs> when, the, when the arrest occurred in Michigan, and she said, you mean it's really happening here in the U.S.? And I said, why do you think? <laughs> this is my sister. I said, why do you think I've been doing this work in the U.S. for so many years? Because it's happening in Liberia. Well, because it's happening here. <laughs> so that was funny. She but and I, I had a good what, laugh about it. Saying. I know what you're saying. I've been there with the human trafficking. They're like, really? Really? <laughs> And it's not only the sex workers, it's the au pairs and the nannies and the maids. (laughs) Yes, it's denial. (laughs) And and when I go when when I speak, when I go around and speak, I always tell people, I make it a point to tell the audience, listen, gone are the days when Immigrants came to this country destitute, and they lived in destitute neighborhoods. I said, those days are gone. Immigrants come to America today with enough money to purchase a nice home next door to you. So FGM, but they're going to bring their cultural practices with them. FGM could be going on right in the basement next door to you and you will never know if you're not educated to it and that that's mm-hmm. what it's that's always the point the i make don't to them as well i was yes. people, it's not the guy who looks like a thug on the street corner it's the i mean there's it was a, an incredible story in austria when i worked there it was a man called Fritzel, and it was the story of Natasha Kampusch. This was a man who was highly revered, highly respected in his neighborhood. He was wealthy, had money. Everybody loved him. And he had this girl in the basement, three generations, mm. something of incest happening in his basement. And everyone was in shock. And that just shows you it is not. Yeah, you can go look up the story of Natasha Kampusch. And it's not the person you think it's not the open, the person you think looks a bit dirty or whatever people think in the movies, you know, the, the gangster, the thug. No, it's the people in the suits sometimes who are doing this stuff, the people you look, hot, you look up to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Chaz, any questions we have about four minutes left on the show? No, I just think it's really, I mean, cool what it is that you're saying. 
I just don't, I mean, I don't understand how come it is so hard it, back in the States that, you know, um, go through with this FGM. I mean, like, you know, because you don't have it in all the states. Like, do you have it in California? I mean, is we it have like, it in, um, yes. California okay, is okay. one. In fact, California has one of the, in fact, yes, California has the, the highest number. Okay, okay. Yeah. I also you assume that in California there was that random shit because <laughs> you just picked but, these states. <laughs> but you know because like I mean like like the other states that you were telling that you know in the beginning of the interview that it's um I mean how come that it is so hard that you know to go through with it. I mean, you know, comparing, you know, like you said in FGM because like you said in the beginning, like, you know, it's always like, sh- you know, you don't, you, I mean, you, you're not supposed to talk about it. I know how it works yes. back in the States, though, yeah, like comparing to Europe. But, I mean, isn't there anything else that, you know, that um, that people can do or support you that um, that it will be easier, you know, so you can go on and, you know, get it to the other states that the way that you like to, you know, have it? Yes, like the media, what you're doing, Mm. what you're doing today. You invited me to come on your show and talk and giving me all this time to talk about it. Educating the public, I cannot stress enough that word, educate, educate, educate. That's what Mm. information, information. That's why the walk to NFGM has been so successful and so helpful because it tell, it, it's giving information to the public. And we will continue. We will not stop here in Washington. Like I said, we want to, move, we want to go all over. So anybody mm-hmm. is welcome to contact us, and we will be happy to work with them. We don't – I've always said – FGM is not something, it's not the work for one organization or for one individual. It's work for a collaboration of many organizations, many NGOs, many individuals have to come together to do this work. And I appreciate the um, my fellow organizations that come together in, we have a U.S. FGM network now um, of organizations that come together every year to 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 put our minds together and and talk about Excellent. where we are now and where we can go forward. Um, it's a constant yeah. effort and it takes more than one person mm-hmm. or more than one organization. So please, if you are right. out there and you're doing this work or you want to do this work. We will welcome you. We will work with you. Awesome. Yes. And and also the family, y'all, because these are traditions. The family is so important as well. Parenting, y'all. Angela, I want to say thank you so much for coming on our show. It was an absolute honor and a pleasure. Like I said, it's very rare when we get somebody giving us such important information about FGM in the U.S., and you have given us loads of information. So please, guys, rewind it, listen to it, download, 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 and download, and listen to this one again. Thank you, Angela. You're always welcome to come yes. back. 
um, I don't want um, the show to just cut on us like, Poop. <laughs> but you have one minute if you want to <laughs> say something you, to yeah. our listeners, maybe 20 seconds. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. And please visit our website, Global Woman peacefoundation.org and um, .org. It's woman, W-O-M-A-N. Some people mistakenly say women. And um, and download that toolkit and see what we're doing. And contact us. Send me an email. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, okay everybody. All the information is in the description. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. okay. Everybody, go and change the world. Okay, go change the world for the better.